Well, good morning, Ridge family. Today is the eighth day in our 21 days of prayer, and I hope that you've been tracking right along with us as we're beginning the new year in one of the best ways that we know how, and that's through prayer. And if you haven't uh, downloaded the 21-day prayer guide, remember you can go online at theridge.cc and on the, on the homepage there, you just scroll down a little, you can click a link and download our 21 days of prayer. And, uh, and so we just believe that, that prayer precedes the process or prayer precedes the purpose or the pathway, whatever God is leading us down. We just believe before we take that initial step of faith that we lay the foundation in prayer. And so let's do that together this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Father, we believe in the power of prayer, and that's why we confidently come before you, a righteous and a holy and a perfect God. Father, that's already directed our pathway. And Father, we know that if you've been faithful in the past, and your Bible tells us that you've been forever faithful, that Father, you will continue to be faithful no matter what we're facing and no matter what pathway we're walking. And so Father, as a church, we come before you and we recognize you as the God of provisions, the one who will provide. Your very name means the God who will provide. And so Father, whatever need, Father, that we're facing individually in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, Father, in, in our financial needs, whatever it might, whatever that need is, Father, we know that that, that need will be supplied through you. Father, there's nothing that's too great for you. And Father, as we talk about uh, how you provide for your children, Father, we also pray that you would impress upon us to have the faith to come before you, Father, and to lift you up, to worship you, and Father, to give, to sacrifice for you, and that, Father, that we might experience you in your fullness. And so, Father, we lay this prayer before you, knowing that you will guide us and direct our paths. And we give you the honor and glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, find Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, we're going to be in, begin there in just a moment, but also flip backwards all the way to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. We're going to be studying that part of that chapter today as well. Now, if you remember from last week, our spiritual emphasis for 2023 is faith for the future, meaning that we believe God is leading us to take some significant steps as a church in 2023. And we want to begin building our faith now in order to go wherever he may lead. And as we said, take a step, even when we don't know where our foot is going to land. Okay. And so to do that, it's important that we as a church understand two things, what faith is, and secondly, what faith does. And that's really the purpose of this series. We're, we're spending a few weeks uh, in the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 11 to kind of help us understand what faith is, first of all, we talked about that last week, and then what faith compels us to do as followers of Christ. Uh, as we said, Hebrews chapter 11 has been called the, the hall of faith. And the reason it's called the hall of faith is because it lists as, as examples several Old Testament heroes who displayed tremendous faith and tremendous devotion in their calling. And so in a way, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us what faith is and then gives us many examples of what faith does. And we're going to look at some of those examples uh, in this series. But let's just go back and review for just a moment. The first few verses of Hebrews chapter 11 gave us three aspects of faith. And here they are once again, if you missed them. Faith gives us the assurance of hope for something greater yet to come. And so faith is forward looking. Secondly, faith is building on what we know in the present so that we can 
reach what we know is eternal. That's the unseen aspect of faith. And then three, true faith is always based on the sure and certain word of God. That's very important that you and I are, 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 have a, are developing a biblical worldview and that we truly understand what's in the word of God. And we're staking our life and our eternity on the truth of God's word. And so today we come to verse four in Hebrews chapter 11 and really to the first in this list of faithful heroes who have put action to their faith. And and the first three that we're going to see in the next few weeks, Abel, Enoch, and Noah, okay, all through, all three of them demonstrated faith, uh, what faith really is. Each of these men believed God and walked with God when the rest of the world and those around them chose to believe something else. And the result of their faith was that they received the gift of righteousness or what the Bible said, the commendation or eternal approval from God. And so I want to begin right there with the first note. Okay, this is going to be the, the main point of the sermon is this. Faith always expresses itself in action. That's really what we're going to see in Hebrews 11, that faith expresses itself in action. It can't just be a a head knowledge kind of faith. Our faith has to compel us to walk in faith. Okay, so although faith has to do with things that are unseen, our faith is not unseen. And, And one of the things that I want you to see as we go through this series is that true faith in God always expresses itself in doing something, in stepping out. That's why I talk about taking steps of faith. Okay, so faith expresses itself in action. And we see this in principles like James chapter two, verses 14 and 17. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works or actions. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works or actions, is dead. That's an important word. And so with that in mind, We come to the first faith story mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, and that's the story of Abel. And so let's read together Hebrews 11, verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks now, there's some interesting language in here in this, in this passage that we want to talk about today. Abel's story, this is just a, one verse. It, the, the story is actually found in Genesis chapter 4. So if you want to go ahead and, and flip back to Genesis chapter 4, we're going we're gonna to look at this story more closely. And, and, and in this story, Moses, the, the author of Genesis, indicates that Abel and his brother Cain, you remember Cain and Abel, both brought an offering before the Lord, but only one of those offerings was acceptable to God. Okay, and so let's read that together. Genesis chapter four, beginning in verse one. Now, Adam and Eve, his wife, and now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. 
In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so Cain was very angry and his face fell. And so Cain and Abel, brothers, both bring offerings before the Lord. And it says Abel's offering was better or it was acceptable unto God. Cain's offering was not. And so what really made these offerings different? What, what made one offering acceptable and one unacceptable? Well, the, to, to, to understand this, we kind of have to dig a little bit deeper. The most obvious difference between the two offerings is that Abel brought an animal from one of his flocks where Cain brought something from the ground, maybe vegetables or, or grain or something like that. But, but that alone doesn't really answer the question, what made these different? I mean, it makes sense that Abel would bring an animal. He was a shepherd. And it makes sense that the Cain would bring fruit of the ground or crops from the ground because he was one who worked the ground. And so that alone does not make these offerings different. But I believe the difference is found in that scripture that we just read in verses three through five. So I want us to look at it again. Verse three, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. Some of your translations say brought some of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So let's begin with Abel. Abel was the one who brought the firstborn, the lamb and the fat portions. Abel gave God the very first and he gave God the very best from his flock. That means that he brought this newborn lamb or these newborn lambs that were probably without any kind of blemish and without any kind of imperfections. He brought the very first that he had and he also brought the very best that he had and he gave that as an offering to God. Cain, on the other hand, it says brought an offering or brought some of his crops or his first fruits as an offering. He didn't bring the best. He didn't bring the, the first, just some. Now, why is that important? We, we need to understand that as it applies to our faith. When it comes to giving back to God or worshiping God in faith, there are some things that God desires. We need to know his heart. The first one is this. God desires our first portion, our first portion. That, that's a concept that we get from the Old Testament. Sometimes it's called the first fruits. And it's an important concept, okay? In passages like Deuteronomy 12, 6 and 18, 4, listen, it says, God commanded his people to offer the firstborn of their herds and flocks. He commanded them to give the first fruits of their grain, only their new wine and their new oil and the first wool from shearing the sheaves. And so God reveals in passages like this that the first portion is very important to him. That's what he desires. Actually, if we're honest, the whole portion belongs to God. Am I right? If you're taking notes, write this down. When we give God the first portion, we acknowledge his ownership over all the rest. Guys, that's a, that's a biblical worldview. When we understand that God is the owner of all things, 
That, that it's not just our stuff and we give a little bit of our stuff to God. This is an understanding that all things belong to him, that he is the owner over all the rest. And so how does this concept of first fruits giving first to God, how does that play out in 2023? We don't live in Old Testament times. We certainly don't live in the beginning of humanity like Cain and Abel did. But so how do we, how do we deal with this? How do we wrestle with this? Well, it's very simple. This can be very practical. You can start by giving the first portion of your day to God. Before you wake up and begin checking off your to-do list, and some of you are doers in here, I know you, as soon as your feet hit the, hit the ground, you're, you're doing things, you're knocking out tasks. But a way to do this practically is by giving that first few moments, that first hour, whatever it is, to God. Opening up his word, sitting with his word, praying, worshiping, meditating, listening. All that's a way to give the first portion to God. Worship is another way that we can give first to God. How do we enter into a building like this for corporate worship? Do we come refreshed with our mind focused and our heart ready to give God the best of our worship, to praise him for who he is? Or do we come in here exhausted because we stayed up too late watching football the night before or watching a movie or, or we slept late and we rushed in here and our heart's not set, our mind's not set, and we just kind of listen to the songs and we listen to the word and then we walk out of here and, we, and nothing really changes. We can come in here and offering God the first of our attention and our worship and our glory to him. Another way we can do it is in decision making. Maybe, maybe you're facing a big decision and you don't know which way to go, A or B. I don't know which path to take, this one or that one. Well, a way that we can give God first priority in our decision is to work it into the framework of what gives God the most glory. What's going what's to lift up the name of Jesus Christ the most? What's going to cause the gospel to go further? What can I do to give God first priority in my decision making? And then one, one, one of the places this might hit the hardest is to give God the first portion of our income, okay? When we receive our paycheck, before we pay that first bill, before we you know, put that first tank of gas in, and before we buy that first ice cream, give God the first portion through our tithes and through our offerings. Before anything else is paid, what's first goes to him. So you see, whether it's our time, whether it's our talent, whether it's our treasure, God's desired and what honors him is to give of our first portion just like Abel did, not, not the second portion, not necessarily what's left over. Sometimes we're all guilty of that, right? If there's enough left over at the end of the week or the end of the month, I'll give God some of, of this, See, whether it's my time or, or my, my treasure, whatever it is. And we tend to give from the leftovers, but that doesn't honor God in the same way that bringing our first before him does. So God desires our first. Secondly, God wants our best. He desires our best. Again, this is, a, this is a concept that comes from Scripture. Exodus 23, 19 says, the best of the first fruits of your ground. Not just the first, but the best of your first fruits of your ground. You shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And that's what Abel did. Remember, he brought the best portions of his firstborn lambs. He brought the fat portions, which were the best portions of meat. They were considered the best. And Abel brought that which was the best, and he offered it to the Lord. Now, that's important, and here's why. What we bring to God reflects what we think of God. 
What we bring, what we offer to God, what we give him, and think of this in terms of my time, my worship, my my physical things that I have, what we give to God, it reveals our heart. It reveals what we think of God. Back in 1992, there was a carpenter by the name of Russell Herman. He passed away, but he had a will, and in his will, he made some amazing, he made an amazing list of donations of things that he wanted to do. First, he wanted from his will to donate $2 billion to the city of East St. Louis. Next, he wanted to donate another billion and a half dollars to the state of Illinois. Third, another two and a half billion dollars to the U.S. Forest Service. And to top it all off, Mr. Herman left six trillion dollars to the U.S. government to help pay off the national debt. Now, that was pretty amazing, considering the only asset that he actually owned was a 1983 Oldsmobile. He made some pretty big statements. There were some big desires and promises, but there was absolutely no generosity involved. His promises were big, but they were completely empty. He gave nothing. You see, giving our first, giving our best, I want you to hear this, is not determined by the amount that we give. It's determined by what's in our hearts. We know that because of stories like the widow's might, found in Mark chapter 12. Jesus said this to the widow who gave her last two coins. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. And you know that story, the religious leaders coming into the temple and they were throwing their coins into the collection box and It was probably clanging around and echoing throughout the temple and it was causing people to turn their heads. Whoa, look what he gave. Wow, look how much he gave. But the the widow came in. All she had was two coins of very little value, but it was all she had. And she gave it faithfully. And our savior said, she has given more because she gave all. He was referring to what was in her heart What we bring to God reflects what we think of God. The widow brought all that she had because she loved God. When we give, when we bring our first and we bring our best, we give as Abel did. But sometimes we are guilty of giving as Cain did, just giving some, just giving from our leftovers. It's not the amount that matters, but it's what's in our heart. And that's how we put faith or action to our faith. All right, so let's circle back around because Abel is listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the faithful. He was commended or approved by God. And we all wanna be approved by God, by our faith. Abel gave his offering in faith. And he, what did he give? What did he give in faith of? When he gave, what was, he, what, what was his faith staked in? It was staked in God's promises and his provisions. So how we give and what we choose to give says a lot about what we've staked our faith in, okay? You see, it doesn't take any faith just to give God our spare time, right? It doesn't take a lot of faith to give God our mediocre passions. It doesn't take a lot to give God our leftover treasures. It doesn't take a lot of faith to do what Cain did just to give some. God desires something different. He wants our first and our best. And when we do that, 
When we choose to give God our first and our best, we're actually putting faith to our action. And here's what we're doing. Number one, we're recognizing God as the source of all our blessings. Do you know that God is the source of all your blessings? The Bible says that everything we have comes from God. Listen to James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is the giver of all good things. That's important for us to know. So when we give God first, when we give him our first portion, we're demonstrating faith because we recognize that God is the source of all we have anyways. The reason we have it is because he gave it to us. We may have skill sets. We may have abilities. We may have unbelievable talents. But even those things came from God. Everything we have comes from him. Secondly, when we give our first and our best, we are recognizing God as the owner of all we have. Not only did he give it to us, but he owns all that we have. <clears throat> we acknowledge that we own nothing and that everything we have belongs to him. Psalm 24 says it this way, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Everything belongs to him. Years ago, there was a popular television show about a, a rich lawyer dad. And one day his daughter was complaining to him. And he was tell, she was telling her rich lawyer dad that all the kids were making fun of her because she was, she was rich. And the father in his wisdom walked over to her and said, honey, you, you need to listen. This is one thing you need to get straight. Your mother and I are rich. You have nothing. In a way that's true for us as followers of Christ, our heavenly father is rich in every way. The Bible says he has a, he has a cattle on a thousand hills and he gives things like wisdom freely as he opens up the windows of heaven and it's there just for the asking. Our God is rich in every way. He owns it all. The Lord is the one who gives to us freely when we ask. We brought nothing into this world and you know we're not gonna take anything out with us. All that we have is, on, is simply on loan from God. And we are called to be stewards of what he's given us, to be good stewards, to take care of what he's given us. And that's why when we truly understand that concept, it frees us up. We no longer have to live with clenched hands, worried about what we have and what we've accumulated. When we understand that, we can live with open hands, able to give freely back to God what already belongs to him. That's a new way of thinking. It's a paradigm shift. It's understanding what the Bible says. That when we give to him, that we have nothing to fear. He will meet our every need. We're just giving back to what belongs to him. And so when we give God our first and best, we recognize that he's the source of all our blessings. We recognize he's the owner of all we had. And then the third and final thing is this. We're trusting God's promises to meet our need. Throughout the Bible, we find dozens and dozens and dozens of promises from God. This is one of them. Giving God the first and the best, it takes some faith, right? It takes some faith. Because sometimes when we give God our first portion, there's no guarantee that there's going to be a second portion, right? You ever been in that situation before? There was an opportunity where you needed to give some time to something. There was an opportunity where you had a certain skill set, a certain talent, and you needed to give that for a certain purpose or that there was a financial need 
and you knew that you were called or being led to give to that, whatever that might be, but you also knew in the back of your mind, if I do that, if I give this time, if I, if I give this, this talent or if I give some money to this, there may not be a second portion. Some of you were faithful to do it anyways. And you saw God provide in a supernatural way more time or another opportunity. You saw him multiply your gifts, your talents, your skills. And you became a huge blessing to someone. And that blessing came back to you. Or you gave sacrificially only to be blessed financially yourself. You see, all of those are wrapped up in promises in the word of God that we can stand on faithfully. Promises like Philippians 4.19 that says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I mean, isn't that a great promise? He will supply all your needs. That, that doesn't mean that you're gonna, you're gonna go without something. It doesn't mean because if you sacrifice, God's going to forget about that and let you go. And you're not going to be able to eat one day. Or you're not going to be able to pay your bills one day. Or you're going to have, it's none of that. This promises thus that God will meet every one of our needs. When we are faithful to him, he will continue as he always is to be faithful to us. You see, when the Israelites gave the firstborn lambs of their flock and the first fruits from their crops, there was no guarantee that there would be a second portion. They had to depend on God. And we do the same when we give our first and when we give our best of whatever it might be. And so that brings us right to verse four of Hebrews chapter 11. And I want us to look at the very last statement in this verse. It's an interesting and it's also an encouraging word. And this is where I want to leave you today, the end of verse four. It says... <clears throat> and through his faith, though he died, meaning Abel, he still speaks. What does that mean? What does it mean that Abel still speaks? Think about it this way. What will be said about you at your funeral? What, what words are going to be spoken over you for your eulogy? How will your life be summarized in 30 minutes or less? Hopefully, each of us, like Abel, will leave a testimony that far outlives our life. Though he is dead, his life was a witness to the power and the provisions and the promises of God. Though he's no longer with us, though she's no longer here, his faith was remarkable. Her faith always had action. Part of our testimony is, is a testimony of faith. Faith that also had action. When it comes to giving, it's a difficult topic for us to wrestle, get our minds around. Because almost always giving requires sacrifice. And sometimes sacrifice leaves us with not as much as we once had. 
that can allow worry to creep in, anxiety to creep in. But our God is faithful to supply every single need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. We have nothing to fear, nothing to dread. When we give our first, when we give our best back to the one who first gave to us, we do it confidently. That's where faith comes in. And then we have the privilege of seeing God do great and mighty things through our obedience. And so church, I believe God is leading us into a future that's gonna require some faith on our parts. I don't know all the pieces of that. I don't know all the steps. I, I can't see the full staircase yet. Neither can you. But that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to wait until we see every step before we move. We're called to take that first step. And so let's begin to build this faith for the future that's willing to give, willing to sacrifice, knowing that we have a God who's gonna meet our every need. Would you please stand as we prepare to close? Heavenly Father.